Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. wherever you are and however you may be listening to the Sports Rivals. Again, here with Ernie, it's Monty, and we've got another exciting show on tap for you. We've got the NFL heating up with trades in the draft, NBA trading deadline, winners and losers, but first, of course, March Madness. We are now down to the Elite Eight. This weekend, not as crazy as last weekend, some great games, Ernie, so what do you think about what happened over the last couple of days getting leading us to the Elite Eight? You know, uh, I was on that bandwagon with Loyola, but unfortunately, you know, unfortunately their, their terrific run came to an end, uh, but, you know, against uh, a number 12 seed, so that still makes it a little bit exciting on, on that part. Oral Roberts... A 15 seed, you know, made it close. That was a very exciting game. They actually had the lead going in, going into like the final 15 minutes, 14 minutes into the second half. But, you know, things happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you got, you know, with all this craziness and everything, you still got three number ones still alive. And we were talking off the air that if you chose the favorites, uh, you know, just the favorites going in... In this bracket, you would have a team going into the lead eight on in in every single, uh, in every single in the west, in the east, the midwest, and the south. You you'd still have a surviving team. Where unlike unlike me, <laughs> <laughs> I am hanging on Baylor as my as my sole survivor. But you know what, Ernie? I mean, Baylor does look good. I I think this weekend again, I I am mesmerized by what the Pac twelve is doing right um you have a number 12 seed in oregon state yes and it hasn't been easy for them they had to beat the number five tennessee the number four oklahoma state and then mm-hmm. they took out a great you know a very sound fundamentally sound team in loyola of chicago mm-hmm. you have ucla who's now played four games already because they had to play the play-in game if right. you remember correctly right and they knock off alabama in overtime um, and then you have USC and, and Oregon playing, and USC, as we're recording this right now, up 16 points with 12 minutes left. So it looks like USC is going to advance, which you had. You had USC there in your Elite Eight. So yeah. for me, it's the Pac-12, and how dominant they have been is, is incredible. And then the next thing is the play of the number one seeds that remain. I mean, Gonzaga looked good today, mm-hmm. winning by 18 points. Right. Michigan looked good today, winning by 18 points, which is surprising. You, all you guys know I'm a big Michigan fan. I did not see them beating Florida State by 18 points, but their defense was incredible today. They didn't shoot the ball well. I think they had two three-pointers the whole game and still won by 18 points. Mm-hmm. And then Baylor started slow yesterday in the first half. Right. Finally took it to Villanova, and they came through. So you have the cream kind of rising but that Gonzaga-USC game is going to be a battle. USC with Evan Mobley, the number two, or maybe even top pick, depending on who gets the number one pick, mm-hmm. going up against that Gonzaga team. But if Gonzaga plays their best game, no one's going to beat them. Then you have Michigan against UCLA. Mm-hmm. That's a game that anyone could win. Mm-hmm. Michigan just found out today that Livers is out for the tournament for sure. But they seem to be surviving without him and adjusted to a different form. And then you have Baylor. You know, you have Baylor. They have uh, Arkansas. That should be a high-scoring, exciting game. But it wouldn't surprise me if you have three number ones making it to the Final Four. No, and that's what I would anticipate. I mean, if I were to redo my brackets right now, I would have... The way Gonzaga is playing right now, I mean... Boy, they're they're a machine. I mean, you're talking... Suggs doesn't even have to play well. And they can still outscore. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, the pieces just come together. They're a very well-oiled machine. As shown today in their contest against Creighton. I mean, Creighton had shots at the baskets. But Gonzaga shot almost 60% from the field. And they did it with the assist. I mean, the, their passing is, is just excellent. Yeah. And I think that's what sometimes gets lost is that they're always going to shoot. They lead the nation in field goal percentage. They shot 51% from the field for the season. 
But what they didn't have today was a lot of three-pointers. They had it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You had Nebhard and uh, Joel Ayayi with five three-pointers in the beginning part of the game. But Corey Kispert was a non-factor. Yeah, only putting half. up one shot in the first half. Yeah. Only taking six shots for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Drew Timmy did well. But their passing is incredible. 50, 50 points in the paint today. Mm-hmm. All of them through cutting and passing and unselfish play. And their defense has been better than expected. Right, you right. Know, their defense really clamped down on Creighton after... Yeah, I think at the eight-minute mark in the first half, it was already 27-23. It looked like an NBA game. Mm-hmm. But from that point on, they really clamped down and made it tough on Creighton. Right, right. Yeah, just Creighton just... I don't think they believed really, really in, in their overall play. I mean, I... They they missed a lot of points in the paint, and that was because of ice. Their ISO game is their their passing game is not 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 anything close to Gonzaga. But I believe you are correct in regards to USC giving them a problem with the Mobley brothers protecting the paint and the inside. It's gonna that's I believe that's gonna this is gonna be their hardest test. Yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, I think Timmy's gonna have a hard time with Mobley. Uh, I think if Timmy can get Mobley in foul trouble, that would be all. All she wrote for USC. Mm-hmm. But if Timmy, on the other hand, gets into foul trouble, then that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I think the next game, they're not going to be able to rely on Drew Timmy, Mr. Mustache, um, to lead the charge. I think it's going to be Corey Kispert and the guards that are going to have to outplay the USC guards because mm-hmm. down low, USC is tough. Could be. Um, but it's going to be a tough game. I, I would expect that one to be some not a double-digit win for Gonzaga like all their other games have been. I think mm-hmm. this one's going to be a dogfight. It will. But I anticipate that Suggs, Suggs hasn't been playing well from an offensive standpoint. He's bound to have a good game. This next matchup might be might be where he shines. Yeah, and then in the, uh, in the East with Michigan and UCLA, can UCLA continue this unbelievable run? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hope not. I hope they run out of gas, and I hope Michigan is able to continue this amazing defense that they're playing. A new person every game stepping up and getting some key points. Right. Um, I would love for the Final Four to be Gonzaga and Michigan in one half, my two teams playing against each other. So I would think that Michigan would be the favorite in this one. I think UCLA is going to run out of gas. Uh, Michigan will win a close one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Baylor... Against Arkansas, I see Baylor winning that. I think Baylor is starting to play better. If you watch the first half, you wouldn't think so. But once they adjusted and they took advantage of their athleticism, they pretty much put Villanova away. I think they're going to be able to do the same to Arkansas. I think they're too much to handle. Mm -hmm. But I think Oregon State knocks off Houston. Could be. I think Oregon State knocks off Houston. So it's not far-fetched to think, as much as I want Michigan to win, that you could have a situation... And as much as I want Gonzaga to win, that three Pac-12 teams may make the Final Four. Four. Good. And that hasn't happened since 1985, I believe, when the Big East had Georgetown, St. John's, uh, and I forget, one, one of the other, Syracuse, mm-hmm. I believe, that all made the Final Four. And that hasn't happened since then. Um, but man, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, Oregon State, let's go Beavers, but not, not USC and uh, certainly not... Uh, UCLA, UCLA for me. Well, it, as much as I'm a Laker, Ram, Dodger fan, I hope LA is crying on Tuesday night <laughs> after Gonzaga and Michigan advance. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I have to follow your path in regards to UCLA versus Michigan. I mean, we, we, we all have to remember UCLA have had to play an extra game in order to get there. You know, so, you know, as when uh, in your words, running out of gas, you know, this is, this is like they're playing in their final four game, you know, where Michigan has that extra game. Yeah. But... Nevertheless, Michigan, I mean, I think we're both surprised that they made it this far without livers. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I, I thought they were going to lose to LSU. We talked about, uh, about that last week. And they were down nine to start the game. But they clawed their way back, found the way to win. And then today, they just looked great. I don't know what happened to Florida State. I thought Florida State's length was going to give Michigan problems. And it did. Michigan didn't shoot well in the first half. But they were able to frustrate Florida State, force them into bad three-point shots, and then uh, just win going away. So, so, gang, Elite Eight games tomorrow, Baylor, Arkansas, Oregon State, and Houston. And then on Tuesday, Gonzaga, USC, and Michigan versus UCLA. Real exciting. But player-wise, Ernie, I mean, we, we've got, I think we analyzed the teams, but from a player's perspective, which players do you think are, st- are really standing out? To, 
they're, they're going to be from the losing teams. I, I mean, I really like how Admis played. You know, uh, uh, he was phenomenal up until the last 15 minutes uh, of, of that game. You know, I mean, he single-handedly uh, kept, them in, kept them in the contest. But you have to uh, realize that uh, when... I know we were talking earlier about this in regards to uh, riding a hot hand. Uh, when you're up by 10 and when you have the momentum, to me, the biggest thing to hold that lead, you cannot give the momentum back. You cannot. You just can't give it back. I mean, that is, uh, to me, that, that is the, the biggest no-no in closing out a game. I mean, I've seen it on the NBA level. You know, I, 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 I've seen it on every single level. I mean, and, and that's, basically what, that's basically what they did. I mean, Ar Arkansas was uh, on their heels, basically. You know, they're, uh, I'm not sure how much of the game that you watched, but from, from, what, from what I saw, they were uh, in a panic mode. Uh, Abbas was making a lot of good plays, but towards the end, I think he forced a lot. And I think that's where, you know. You know what I think? I mean, what I think happened in this tournament for Oral Roberts, I, I mean, I think for Abbas's sake, I know he led the nation in scoring, but most people don't really take that serious when it's coming from a small school. But I think people got to see that he is legitimate. Mm -hmm. and, and we were talking about this off the air. I'm curious to see if he takes this momentum established from the tournament he is a senior. Does he go into the NBA and try to get drafted? Does he stay at Oral Roberts? Or does he go to transfer portal route? And as a graduate transfer, maybe go to one of these teams that are losing a lot of their seniors, like a Baylor or, or somebody else. I'm curious to see what he's going to do. But I think what really showed down the stretch is defensively, they dominated him. Mm -hmm. They started to, Arkansas started to isolate him and just back him down and score on him time after time after time. Where towards the end of the game, he had to actually tell Jurgens, you get him, you know, because he wasn't able to, to do that. And I think that's going to be his shortcoming in the NBA, mm -hmm. is that he's not going to be able to handle the, the point cards at that level. But he could be dynamite, you know, instant offense coming off the bench. Just You just never know. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I mean, I think he's impressive, and I think he's definitely helped his stock in, in, terms, of the, in terms of the NBA. Yeah, but I would be very surprised if, if he left. I mean, if, if, if he left Oral Roberts, it's going to go... To be, in my opinion, it's going to be going from Oral Roberts to the NBA, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how his draft, what his draft stock looks like. You know, I mean, for to bring a 15th seed into the into the Sweet 16, I mean that that is crazy. To, and to just miss going yes. to the Elite Eight. Yes. And I was hoping that shot went in. I mean, nothing against you know Arkansas, but that would have been just so wonderful to have a 15th seed in there. Another player that I thought has been doing extremely well for UCLA is Juzang, the Kentucky transfer, the sophomore at UCLA now. He lit up Michigan State and has been averaging over 20 points a game. Today, he got into foul trouble and, and sloppily fouled out. So he basically didn't play the last seven minutes of regulation and then overtime, and still UCLA was able to find a way to win. But I think uh, uh, Zhang has been playing well. And then Houston. I, I was not a big believer in Houston, mm -hmm. but they seem to be a very well-rounded team. You got Grimes that can shoot from distance. All of them can shoot, but there's athleticism inside. Um, it's going to be tough for Oregon State because I think Houston has way more athletes. That's going to make it a little bit more tough on Oregon State than any of the other teams uh, made it on them. But I still think Oregon State's going to get to the Final Four. We're going to have a 12 seed there in, in the in the Final Four. And that Thompson is leading the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, Thompson is leading the way, put up 20 on Loyola after a slow start, really took it to them, and has played really, really well. And I mean, these are some of the unsung heroes from some of the, some of the lesser names. We expect the Butlers and the Mitchells from Baylor and the Teagues from Baylor to do well. We expect the Gonzaga players to do well. Um, but the Mobley brothers are doing really, really well right. uh, for USC. But some of these other smaller schools and lesser known players that are getting a chance to shine is what really makes March Madness special. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I mean, it harkens back to the day where Carson Edwards brought Purdue to the final, you know, for, was it to the final Elite Eight? Yeah. Yeah. To the you know, just, just launching. Launching, it. yeah. Just launching. Okay, so Ernie, before we move on and we take a break and we come back with the NBA... 
You sticking to what you have remaining here? Who makes the final four? How do you see each of these matchups going? Let's start with Gonzaga, USC. Who do you got in the West? I like Gonzaga. Okay. But I know you have Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> so just to kick you out, I'm going to go with UC, USC. USC. I'm going to go with USC just for that. But you know what? I like Gonzaga. I mean, I like Gonzaga all the way to tell you the truth. At this point in time, they've been playing the most consistent. Right. What about Michigan and UCLA? I like UCLA. I just like the fact that they're a Pac-10 team. The Pac-10 team's been beating them. I mean, this is they're basically they're coming off of their tournament. I mean, it's it's like they've been playing in the NCAA tournament for the last month already. Because of the, you know, all their, they've got, I mean, just, it's proof in the pudding. I mean, they had four teams playing today. Yeah. I mean, this, this past weekend, three advancing. Right. You know, so. Well, I mean, the fourth one couldn't advance because they played each other. Exactly. So that, that's what made it a challenge. Exactly. Okay, so Baylor, Arkansas, you got Baylor winning at all. So I'm assuming you're sticking with the, I'm, I'm, the Baylor Bears. I have to, that or else. <laughs> I, I, I really look foolish. I don't want to look too foolish. So and I then Oregon State, Houston. I'm going to ride with you. I like Oregon State. Pac so you are, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, you are riding the Pac-12 to have three in the final yeah, four yeah. for the first time since yes. 1985. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you're absolutely wrong with that. <laughs> I've got Gonzaga. I've got Michigan. I've got Baylor. And I've got Oregon State. That'll be my final four. And I still believe it'll be the Zags and the Bears in the finals. Um, but we'll be recording before the championship game, so mm -hmm. we'll be able to make our last-minute predictions in the event that that's not the case. Yeah. But let's hope for, for my sake, that it's Gonzaga and Michigan. Today was a wonderful day, <laughs> such a wonderful first two games. Not that not only did they win, but they did so in a comfortable way. That the did. blood pressure didn't even have no, to get too no, high. So no. it was very very comfortable two wins today. Hopefully Tuesday's the same way, but I highly doubt it. I expect two highly competitive yeah, games yeah. Uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, it is crunch time now, and and this is where the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you show it or you go home. Absolutely. All right, gang. Well, when we come back, we're gonna discuss the NBA trade deadline. The Celtics made some moves. The Lakers did not. We're going to discuss winners and losers in the NBA trades when we come back. trade deadline mm -hmm. on, on Thursday and I know we're excited we're waiting for this to happen but in my opinion not little lacking in terms of star power and a little lackluster in terms of ground shaking activity I think the world has changed now where many people are waiting for the after trade where people negotiate contracts and then you start to sign people on the free agent wire so I think that has impacted things but your Celtics did make Mm -hmm. A couple of moves. Mm -hmm. um, what were your thoughts on the trade deadline? Who do you think did well? I mean, who are your winners and losers? Well, it, did, it, it didn't have the, the oomph as what you said, but there were still a number of trades. I think they, they said the most since 1985. So as far as the number of uh, trans transactions that went through uh, on Thursday, you know, there were, there, there were a lot. I mean, Laurie's still on the board. So unfortunately, that didn't provide one of the oomphs, you know, and out, and, and out there. But, you know... It's it's really hard to say. I mean, the Celtics. They were, I I, there was a very good shot prior to the trade deadline that he would be a Boston Celtic. You know, there were rumors that Fournier would have been part of the package, but you know, Denver instead uh, got him, and uh, the Celtics in uh, you know in their attempt they got Fournier. But I I, I like what they did because the Fournier trade. Uh, they they kept their core. Marcus Smart was part of the rumored, uh, you know, trade trade bait. On top of that, they kept Marcus Smart, and they they only gave up uh, two second rounders. And I believe the if you believe the the chat out there, uh, the word was Marcus Smart two first rounders, you know, for Fournier and Gordon. So that means if they only gave up two second rounders, you're saving Marcus Smart and two first rounders for, for Gordon and 
I would never have done that. Yeah, so for me, I have the Celtics listed as a loser, but the only reason I have them listed as a loser is because I don't think they did enough to go from where they are and to try to win the East. Oh, yeah, there's no... But I do agree that they dodged the bullet and not trading for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. I mean, I like Aaron Gordon. Just to watch him in dunking in the warm-ups would be worth it. But I don't believe he's a good fit for that team. Mm -mm. He's a duplicate of their best players already. And I don't think he would add anything to them. And to give up Marcus Smart, who's their leader. Right. And I think it's clear he's their leader. When he's present, he leads. Uh, his toughness, his defense, his leadership. And the first-round picks for Aaron Gordon, I, I wouldn't have done that. So I think they did well to be able to use the exemption created by the Hayward trade early on to get Fournier mm -hmm. and slot him in there to some extent. Nobody cares about second-round picks. I mean, those are a dime a dozen. Right. So to be able to upgrade a shooter um, like Fournier that can provide, that can come off the bench and, and provide some depth, give Brown some rest, give uh, Tatum some rest, and not lose much because he's a big guy who can shoot. Um, I think that's good. And then I was a little surprised, though, that they went ahead and traded Thies uh, for Mo Wagner. I'm not sure that's a ground-shaking type trade, but you're trading a starter for somebody who barely yeah. plays that was, for, for Washington. Yeah. So I was a little surprised. Um, Wagner can, they're different players. Wagner can shoot from the outside. Maybe that's what they're looking to do, spread the floor. But that one kind of surprised me. I think no, that, they downgraded with that. Yeah, that was a definite downgrade, but that was that had to happen or they would have they would have been in the luxury tax. Oh, okay. So basically that was the that was the move on top. But Wagner, you know, for his first game, I mean he he played the other day. I mean he's he sunk his first three pointer from the outside. So Well, he has a soft spot in uh, oh, yeah. my heart because he's, yeah, he's a Michigan player. Guy. And of course, he's there cheering for his brother Franz, who's there right now for <laughs> Michigan. Um but I thought the Celtics, I was hoping for your sake, not for my sake, because as a Laker, we don't want the Celtics to do well, that they were going to do a little bit more that would get them a little bit further up the, the pecking order. But the house of magic. Yeah. They gave everybody yeah, away. value away. Yeah. I mean, Vujicic to the, to, to Bulls. the Bulls, uh, and then Gordon to the Nuggets, and then 48 to the Celtics. I mean, they are completely starting all over again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. And I'm surprised that OKC, with all their draft picks, that they didn't really make uh, a splash in this. Uh, and then they made the decision that they're going to shut down Al Horford today. Right. Um, they're not going to cut him. They're going to try to trade him in the offseason. So they're shutting him down for the remainder of the season in the hopes of preserving him to be able to get some kind of a trade in the mm -hmm. offseason. So I think there is a clear winner, and that was the Denver Nuggets. Yes, I agree. You know, whereas I don't believe Aaron Gordon is a good fit for the Celtics. I do believe he is a good fit with the Denver Nuggets. Yes. Because he'll slot into that. I mean, you have, um, you know, Jokic in the middle. You have Jamal Murray outside. You have Michael Porter, who's more of a stretch four. And now you have a very athletic three in Aaron Gordon. Mm -hmm. And not only Aaron Gordon being athletic, and I think it's not necessarily his offense, although he's shooting lights out this year. He's never been a real three-point shooter. Where I think he's going to be valuable is he has the athleticism to give LeBron a hard time, to give Kawhi a hard time, to give Paul George a hard time when they match up in the playoffs. Right, I mean, because they really have no answer. As good as Michael Porter, we hope, will be, he's not a good defender. And there's no one to match up with LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George. Now they have somebody. So now they match up better in the playoffs. And I thought they did really, really well. They got JaVale McGee, which is going to be, you know, somebody that can give them 10 to 12 minutes, block some shots. That's not a big deal. But they got Gordon for giving up Gary Harris, who's really faded off in the last couple of years. So I think the Nuggets did real well. I do too. I do too. And, and essentially Gordon replaces last year's Jeremy Grant, you know, in that particular role. And we saw how Denver... Uh, how far Denver went? They went. They went all the way to the East, uh, the uh, Western Conference Finals yeah. with, with with that combination. Yeah. So I think that was a necessary move, and I think that's why they won the bidding war in regards to Gordon. Mm -hmm. You know, and Javale McGee to me that was just icing on the cake. Yeah, I agree, and I I think this puts them up at number three right now. I think you still have the Jazz and the Clippers at one two. Um, you know, my Lakers, they are. I'm very <laughs> concerned that they're not going to make the playoffs. But I do view the Lakers, and I have a couple other winners, but I want to talk about the Lakers a little bit, of course. I was really happy that they didn't trade 
for Lowry. Right. Because, and, and Chris Broussard was just ripping on the Lakers for a couple of days. How do you not go after them? How do you not? But he's 35. I mean, he's 35 years old. Toronto asked for um, Dennis Schroeder, KCP, for salary cap purposes, and Taylor Horton Tucker, no. who the Lakers believe is going to be a very, very good player, still only 20 years old. So you give up three guys, two important defensive pieces for a 35-year-old free agent. Right. I don't believe that that makes them better. Right. And if they don't make the playoffs anyway, now you have a situation where you've given up your future for nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I just don't know right now. I don't know if LeBron... He's still supposed to be out for four more weeks. Uh, Anthony Davis is going to be out for three to four more weeks. I don't know if they hang on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if they hang on to a playoff spot. So I'm glad they didn't mortgage part of our future to get uh, Kyle Lowry. No, and that's and, and I believe that's the reason why Kyle Lowry is still in, on Toronto. I believe all of the other clubs saw that, you know, this is an aged person. Still playing quality basketball, of course, but for how long? Yeah, I mean, he's still good. So don't get me wrong. And Chris Broussard's point was... If you're the Lakers, you know LeBron's running out of time. You gotta do everything you can to win every year. And, and I disagree with that. I mean, if LeBron and AD were healthy and we we're trying to match up with the Nets, mm -hmm. then I get it. But right now there's a big unknown what we're gonna get from LeBron and AD and if the Lakers even make the playoffs. Exactly. So to roll the dice, that would have been a foolish mistake. So I'm I personally am very happy that the Lakers did not pull the trigger there. No, true, true. I mean, you got to see, you you know, you got to see how how your big guns do when they come off of injury. I mean, injury is a big thing. They lose exposure. We, I mean, I mean, we we, we see it uh, from a from a, a a lot of players out there. You know, uh, his name escapes me. The Detroit guy that just got traded to the Nets. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. He's he's a prime example. I mean, without his hops, his explosiveness. I mean, he's a shell of his former self. Yeah. You know. So. But speaking of those nets, um, so they got Blake Griffin, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if he has much left. He, no, he doesn't. And then they got Lamarcus Aldridge. So he signed with the Nets, and he's aging, but still a quality post. Yes. That's one thing that they don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a, a quality offensive post. They're very perimeter-oriented. So I think that is that was a very good signing for them. But at some point, it's too much, too much. Uh, we, didn't, we don't know because Katie hasn't been back. Kyrie, Harden, and, and Katie haven't even played very much together. I think they played like four or five games together. Mm -hmm. um, so who knows if too much is too much. I wouldn't expect much out of Blake Griffin. I wasn't really sweating that, but I think LaMarcus Aldridge can provide... 10, 15 quality minutes and provide a low post option down the stretch for them. So I like that pickup for them. Um, what do you think about the Heat? You know, getting Victor Oladipo for practically, you know, nothing. Nothing, yeah. And I think the return will be practically nothing. <laughs> uh, Oladipo had, I mean, he was averaging, what, 20 points with the Rockets, but you know, those, I mean, everyone's saying those were empty calorie stats. Yeah. I mean, he's nowhere near what he was three or four years ago. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think he's still battling injury. The, the only part that's hard for me is, I, I think we've seen this uh, a couple of times already. I think in James Harden's case, he was nothing in Houston. He went to, it, to the Nets and then he got motivated. Mm -hmm. P.J. Tucker just quit on Houston in the middle of their 20-game losing streak. He gets traded to the Bucs. Now he's excited. Um, so Oladipo going into the playoff hunt, does he raise his level or is he physically incapable of doing that? That's where I think is unknown. Um, but for Miami, giving up Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley um, and a couple of you know packages of popcorn, mm -hmm. that was well worth the risk to go ahead and get Victor Oladipo at this point in time to see what it is that he has. And then they got Ariza and they got Vigelica uh, from Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Role players, right. but again, players that can provide some quality defensive minutes against a KD or a Giannis, or in your case, Tatum and Brown. Right. So, I mean, I like what the Heat did. I don't know if it's earth shattering. Um, I think that team is still gonna go as far as Jimmy Butler takes them mm -hmm. and on how healthy he is. Uh, but I thought they did well. And as much as I hated to see this, and there's a varying opinion on this, I just didn't like Rondo going back to the Clippers. You know, as a Laker fan, he won the title with the Lakers. 
Clippers gave up Lou Williams to get Rondo. Rondo right. hasn't done anything for the Hawks yet this year, but it would just make me sick to my stomach if playoff Rondo comes into play and is a nail or a thorn in the Lakers' side should they match up this year. So I didn't like Rondo going back there. Although I think Lou Williams, I hope the, the Hawks cut him because he'd be a great fit with the with the Lakers <laughs> some offense off the bench because right now we can't throw it in the ocean from the three-point line. Yeah, Lou is showing his age. I mean, he's 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 not the, the multiple six-man award Lou Williams uh, from the past. Rondo, I mean, he's shown it. I mean, he's, he's up there too in age. But, you know, when you only play during the playoffs like Rondo does... You know, I mean, you can, you can, and he's a terrific athlete. He takes care of himself. I mean, you, you look at his physique. He's, yeah. he's an Adonis out there. Wait, when he gets hurt now, it's broken bones. You know, it's not soft tissue kind yeah. of stuff. So, and you know what I think his value to the Clippers will be more than anything else is he is still a leader. Even with the Lakers, LeBron trusts Rondo. At the end of games, the ball was in Rondo's hand a lot of times yeah. to make those decisions. And that's something the Clippers lack. Kawhi, as great as he is, is not a leader, a team leader, where he'll get in people's face and motivate people. And neither is Paul George. So if Rondo can fill that role, that of itself could be what makes the biggest difference in getting the Clippers over the hump. Yeah, could be. I also like his defense over what Lou Williams. I mean, Lou Williams didn't provide much of it. He wasn't much of a defender. Rondo is way better than... Uh, Williams. Yeah, so now they're not going to lose anything when Beverly comes out of the game because Rondo will come in and play defense. Not quite as psychotically as Beverly, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the drop-off that Lou Williams have, you know, from right. the defensive side of the ball. So I still think the Clippers have the potential if they want to be uh, the best defensive team in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, with, with all their length. So any other teams that stood out to you? Any other any other things from the NBA trade de- deadline or what happened this week that has you thinking... Excited or critical about yeah, what's I mean, going on? I mean, not not really. I, I, again, like you said, there's no earth-shattering news. I mean, the, right now, what you have on mind is basically the the buyout market. I know, I know that uh, several players is, uh, are really nearing close to who are they're, they're going to be deciding to to play with. I know your Lakers are are one of those teams with Drummond. Uh, but I don't think the needle moved for many of the teams, in my opinion. I, yes, I like what Denver did, but outside of Denver, I don't even like what Miami did. You know, from where they are in the standings, I think they're going to have to claw back. I mean, they had this big run. Now they're on a losing streak. And I believe they're, they're going to miss Olenek. You know, his, his outside shooting presence, you know, for, uh, for, for being a, a, a four or five stretch, I think they're going to miss that. I think and he was so consistent. He didn't really need the ball. I think Oladipo needs the ball. I I I I know that that's why the 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 Pacers were a little bit fed up with him, and I think that's why uh, the Rockets really didn't like him. I I I I really don't like that that pick for the Heat. Yeah, and I don't think anything happened that changes anything. I think the Nets are the clear favorite, provided they're healthy in the East. I don't think the Sixers did anything substantial to make me think that they're going to be able to beat the Nets in a series, even if Embiid is healthy. Right. We got George Hill. That doesn't really move the envelope there. Um, so I think it's pretty clear that the, the Nets are going to be number one. I actually think Milwaukee's probably two ahead of the Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I think they're playing much, much better. And if they can stay healthy, incorporate P.J. Tucker, I think they'll do well. And I'm excited. As a Laker fan who's been depressed for the last week with LeBron out, signing Andre Drummond gives us hope. Because if you saw the first four games that the Lakers played without LeBron, it was a disaster. <laughs> Those of you that follow us on Twitter at Sports Rivals Pod uh, at Twitter, um, I put up a video that was like the bad news bears. And it, the, the caption was, this is the Lakers without LeBron. And just a bunch of players throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, it looked like a, a six-year-old team. But that's what the Lakers looked like the first week without LeBron until they beat Cleveland the other night. So... I think Andre Drummond is going to be not only somebody that can help at least clog the lane, rebound, uh, and do those kinds of things now, but when AD comes back, now we have a huge presence again in the lane that allows AD to not have to battle big guys. Right. Because Marcus Saul was just not getting it done. Uh, he's been hurt. He's been sick. He's plays 12 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, 
now that 12 minutes can be towards the end of the game because Andre Drummond can't shoot free throws. He makes Shaq look like a good free right. throw shooter. So at the end of the game, Drummond's going to have to be on the bench, but we can save Gasol for the backside of the game, keep him fresh, have some good defense, and somebody who can shoot and shoot free throws towards the end of the game. So I think that was something that helps the Lakers. But again, it could be too little too late if we don't get our players back. Maybe, maybe. Uh, my, my concern with Drummond was that uh, you know, the, the, the guy's a black hole in the middle. I mean, we spoke about this a little bit. I, I just hope he's, the, the chemistry, uh, you know, is, is just there when everybody, when uh, LeBron returns and, you know, and... Well, maybe, that's been the criticism of Drummond, right? And right. when the ball comes in, he's stat-oriented. A lot of his rebounds are because he's out of position. Um, and then he gambles on rebounds. So if he doesn't get it, then there's a transition... So, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to curtail him. He's going to have to fit into the system. Um, but, but what we have right now, I mean, I'll take him. <laughs> I'll take him. Um, so when we come back, gang, I'm going to wrap up our show with my closing thought. We're going to talk about NBA. We're going to talk most valuable player. And what does that really mean when we come back? valuable player in the NBA and, and I'm not going to debate because Ernie and I had this debate at the halfway point who's the MVP at this point in time that's not what I'm going to debate what I am going to debate is specifically talking about LeBron James in general and I think back in the 80s and 90s there was a time where Michael Jordan could have been if you wanted if you truly were voting for the best player in the NBA the MVP every year I mean, he could have had 10, 12 MVPs because every year after his first two or three years in the league, Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA. His team won. He was leading the league in scoring almost all the time. He was by far the best player in the NBA, but he only won five MVPs, right? So I think it gets to the point where sometimes people start to nitpick and be like, let's give it to somebody else. Let's give it to somebody else. LeBron, case in point, his first 10 years, four MVPs. His last eight years where he's played better than his first 10 years, zero, none. He's always in the top three, but for some reason, he's always passed over by the flavor for that particular year, whether it be Steph Curry before who won back to back, whether it be Harden one year, whether it be Giannis now as the, as the flavor of the month, um, LeBron always gets passed by, but true value comes from what your team does when you're playing and when you're not playing. So I got some statistics just for this year, okay? Because we're not going to go back into all the different years, but just this year, the Lakers are 11 and 7 with LeBron and without AD. Okay, so they've won 11 of 18 games with AD out, and the record is even better. It's 11 and 3 when it's not multiple players out. Because the Lakers lost four in a row when Schroeder, Gasol, and AD were out. So if you have at least Schroeder there, the Lakers are 11 and three without AD, okay? Let's look at the Nets. They're 19 and eight without KD. So they've won 19 out of 27 games playing without Kevin Durant. The 76ers, they're 10 and six without Joel Embiid including nine of their last 10 since his most recent injury. Early in the year, he was out for a week. They went one and five. This current injury with his knee, they've gone nine and one since he's been out. Um, the Bucks, two games this year, Giannis sat out, two and oh, blowouts both times without Giannis. So the Lakers without LeBron, we just alluded to this. They're now 0 and five until they, they, they were able to beat Cleveland the other night but they've lost by 12 to 15 points to this slew of teams. The Sacramento Kings, the Atlanta Hawks, Phoenix Suns that are, that are playing well, the Pelicans, and then the Sixers. 
So they're getting annihilated. We're looking at the score right now. They're playing their Orlando Magic, who we just talked about, mortgage their whole future, and they're down to the Magic with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, 84 to 80. Um, again, without that. Now let's take it back a little bit further. Cleveland, the year before LeBron came back, they were 33 and 49. LeBron comes back from Miami in his first year, Cleveland, 53-29. and 29. A 20-game improvement, they go to the finals. When he comes to the Lakers, the first year after LeBron leaves for the Lakers, the Cavaliers go from 60 wins to 19 wins. They go 19-63 and 63 the year after. A 40-game difference. The Lakers the year before LeBron, 35-47. and 47. The Lakers year one with LeBron, 28 and 27. But that was with his groin injury. In the beginning of the year, before he got hurt, they were 16 and six. He tore his groin, missed 25 games, and the Lakers fell so far out, they never really recovered. But year two, world champions. So that, to me, truly signifies the value of a person. No matter where he goes, they win. And when he leaves, they fall apart. And this is where this year I have a little bit more respect for James Harden because I think James Harden is kind of showing when he was with Houston, not by himself, but even when he was by himself, Houston was competitive. They traded him. They immediately lost literally 20 games in a row. And then he goes to the Nets. KD's been hurt. Kyrie's on another sabbatical right now. And they're still winning 16 out of 18 games and he really is dominating he's probably playing some of the best ball he's ever played that's value that's value he's raising their level of play and Houston has fallen apart so that's my opinion I mean to me LeBron James has been the most valuable player in the NBA for almost 15 years um, whereas he is the number one person that moves the success of a team more than anyone else mm. I mean what do you think uh, that's a very, that's a very uh, inter interesting uh, take on regards to the MVP. I mean, I'm, I, I just look back to past, you know, to old basketball, and I look at Wilt Chamberlain uh, during the days of where Bill Russell run, won more MVPs than him. Uh, as far as an individual player, I definitely believe Wilt Chamberlain was better than Bill Russell. Okay, but... Uh, from what I know is that being an MVP, even though it's an individual award, it's not so that necessarily an individual award. Uh, it's based upon the players around you, how well the team does. And I believe that's why Will Chamberlain didn't win it for how many years. In fact, the years that he won it, I believe he had lesser uh, statistics. You know, he didn't. He, he I was, think every year he wasn't. He wasn't scoring. You know, fifty averaging fifty points per game. You know, like as he as he did in in some seasons. You know, so it's 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 interesting. I mean, Michael Jordan. Even when Michael jo Michael Jordan came into league, I believe he was averaging like thirty six, and he won the. He didn't win that year. And then when he averaged thirty, he won the MVP. Uh, MVP. So from. Looking at it from that perspective, MVP is not you making... I, I can see how you're saying it's how wins and losses. And that's part of the byproduct. But I think it's you making other people around you better. Yeah, but I don't think there's any doubt that LeBron does that. I mean, just look at the Lakers as an example right now. When he's there... Kuzma shooting well. Harrow has more rope. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is averaging 17, 18 a game because he takes the pressure and is able to distribute and make things work. You remove him and you keep everyone else, and it falls apart. Yeah, and that's because the they're all having to do what they're not comfortable doing. Right, and, and I think that's where he does make everybody around him better. Yeah, and that's for this year. And I believe if LeBron didn't get hurt, I believe he is the leader to become MVP this year. But I'm talking about the years, like you said, years, the last eight years where Giannis won the, the, the two prior MVPs. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting. And 
uh, you know, now you have, it's going to be real interesting because Jokic is, is up there. You know, Harden is up there. You still have Embiid. This is going to be a... This is going to be very interesting on who, who wins that. Uh... Well, I mean, I think this year, I mean, I think at this point with LeBron out for so long, I mean, he definitely doesn't have a chance to win the MVP this year, which is, which is totally fine. I don't believe he should. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought he could have been, and if he didn't get hurt, he probably should have been. But you can't miss four weeks, five weeks, miss 15, 20 games and still be the MVP. So I think this is going to really eliminate Joel Embiid as well. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to end up being, depending on what happens, a Jokic-Harden race down the stretch is really what I'm thinking is going to end up happening. And that depends. When everybody comes back for the Nets, does Harding continue to put up these kinds of numbers? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I no. think it'll probably come back, which could open it up for Jokic if Denver continues to move up the ranks um, in, in the West. But you're right. It's a team award. So no matter how you take a look at it, no matter how you analyze it, um, LeBron should have more than four MVPs. Uh, I mean, he's been to yeah. nine of the last ten finals. He took a Cleveland team that had nobody and gave Golden State a hard time. And then the next year they won when they had Kyrie. And then again, he took them against a Golden State team that really didn't have much when Kyrie went to the Celtics for that one year. Um, so he's been to the finals nine out of ten years. So if it's winning, that's, that's an important part of it. He wins every year. If it's statistics, that's an important part of it. He wins that every year. He's right. always averaging 26 to 28, 7 to 9 rebounds and assists per game. Um, by every parameter, he, he wins, except the fact that I do think people get bored. They get bored of what's going on, and they look for somebody else to give it to. Even this year, I mean, Nick Wright on his show was saying, you know what's funny is all year long, LeBron was number two in the MVP uh, prognostication mm -hmm. at first it was uh, in the beginning of the year it was Embiid Embiid was one and LeBron was two mm -hmm. and then there were others and then it became Jokic was one and LeBron was two mm -hmm. and then there were others and then it became Harden went to one and then LeBron is two he's like you know what it seems like LeBron's gonna stay number two for the whole year and whoever's hottest at the time is gonna jump above him he's not gonna win it because nobody wants him to win it and that's probably true. And unfortunately, not that it matters. He's got four MVPs. He's got four world championships. Right. But I just think if you're going to say what value is, mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, value means how does your team do when you're there and how do they do when you're not there? And by in season, like what's going on with the Lakers right now, they're falling apart without him in AD. Um, and when he goes to teams and leaves teams, the, the impact, Upwards when he gets there and downwards when he leaves is like nothing that we've ever seen. Even Michael Jordan, when he retired the first time, the Bulls still went to the Eastern Conference Finals. When LeBron left, the Cavs lost 40 games in the standing. Mm -hmm. I mean, even MJ didn't have quite the same impact that, that LeBron has on his teams. Mm -hmm. And it's a different world right now. So LeBron kind of comes in and dictates who he wants around him. And you, you develop a style around LeBron, so when he's not there, it's hard to... You have to start from scratch and, right. and come up with another, another whole type of style. And that makes it a part of the problem. I just think LeBron is the most valuable player for the last 18 years. He's not going to win it this year. We'll probably never win another one because he's getting old. He's getting hurt. Mm -hmm. um, he's had a tremendous career. But I just wish we'd give it to who is really the most valuable and not give it to somebody just because somebody else has wanted. I mean, fair is fair. Bill Russell wanted because he was truly the most valuable player. He wasn't as good as Will statistically, but his teams won every year. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to win. You win division titles because it's a regular season award. So do you win your conference? If your answer is yes, then that's all you can do. Uh, and then Bill Russell capitalized by winning championships. So. Uh, but MVP is chosen before that. Be right be before before the championship, so I mean, but they dominated the regular season. Exactly, so they yeah. won the championship, but they also dominated the regular season, right. which is what LeBron's teams have always done. Right, you know, even last year they were the number one seed. So you do everything you can in the regular season. His team is almost always the number one seed in whatever conference he's in, whether it was Cleveland, Miami, or the Lakers. They're the number one seed. Um, 
And he still doesn't win. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you on the fact on the fact that I think people do get bored. I think once you re reach a certain pinnacle, more is expected of and you. And you're held to a different standard. Yeah, you are. So you have to you go above, above and beyond uh, exactly. what you're you normal. You have you have to build upon that. It's it's yeah. definitely more difficult, I believe, to maintain that top status. I and, you know and and you know that's that's just the way it has been. But I don't believe that you change the rules from what's been going because that's. The way they, they choose the MVP, I, I believe it's been going on for the last 15 years. Oh, yeah, and it's in all sports. Right. You know, the true, like Tom Brady, he only has three MVPs. He's the greatest player in, oh. in NFL history. Good, good you enough. Know, so, yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it does happen. Again, he's not going to statistically have the best season, but he has all the championships. Mm -hmm. You know, so at the end of the day, that's what it is. Just me venting because I'm mourning that LeBron is out <laughs> and I know he wasn't going to win the MVP. So I had to vent and somehow incorporate him into the conversation. Um, but that, that's, all, that's all I had for today. So again, Dan, we talked NBA trade deadline. Nothing earth-shattering. We don't think that anything happened that's going to dramatically impact the NBA season. We think it's going to be a matter of who is healthy, who is playing well, okay. and how do we go from there. And then the NCAA tournament. Elite Eight is set. Uh, Ernie believes it's going to be at the Pac-12 tournament with one other team, his Baylor Bears in there. <laughs> I believe it's going to be Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, and Oregon State. Three number one seeds and a number 12 in the final four. I can't wait till Monday, and I can't especially wait till Tuesday when Gonzaga and Michigan make it to the final four. For the record, I believe Gonzaga, I'm just choosing the opposite. You're just being anti. I'm being anti. I mean, I mean, you're a Celtic fan. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. All right, gang, we appreciate you being here today again. Please check us out on our social media uh, platforms, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Please continue to share your feedback. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear. And always, tell us how bad we are. We appreciate you. And until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.